What's up, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. And Andrew, this catchphrase, I don't know about it. I'm going to put it out here. Instructions are just another person's opinions. That comes to us from Dead King with 2G's 13 on Twitter. You know what, Andrew? Mm, what? I've had instructions for very important things like like Legos in the past. Right. I don't, I don't know if those are just opinions. Ah, uh, dude, but, you know, it doesn't <laughs> have to be the yellow block. You, you, could, uh, you, could, you could switch some things up. It's like we're putting together uh, Ikea furniture, me and my wife, and she calls me the foreman because I just, like, <laughs> bark instructions. Uh, <laughs> and, and sometimes she doesn't follow them, and they're usually still standing. I found that for building this desk, uh, following the instructions was very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, I don't know about that catchphrase, but whatever. We'll go with it. I'm sure some people agree. Anyway, what are you drinking, dude? I am drinking a blackened tie. It's a, a black IPA. It's like kind of like a stout IPA mix. Um, oh. And it has like a cool picture of a penguin with like a necktie. So, you know. Dude, that penguin looks like, uh, I don't remember his name, the penguin from uh, Surf's Up. Isn't it Cody or something? Never saw it. Seen Cody? <laughs> oh, man. That movie's great. I only watch school, films like, with nudity. We, we figured out, well, I mean, they're animals. They're, they are nude. I mean, that's what you're into. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> in high school, we, we watched that movie for whatever reason, and then we, deci- we decided, uh, decided who was each character, and I was like the giant asshole guy, villain, basically. So, yeah, that describes me. <laughs> and that, that was determined by you or all of your closest friends and family? All of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I okay. I to be a cool chicken, but no, they were like, you're the, you're the asshole. I'll make Anywho. sure to never ask my friends or family that question. I just don't I'm gonna ask. Know. I'm gonna have Laura watch it and see what you are. <laughs> that that'll be our next catchphrase. <laughs> Andrew is a bleep bleep. bleep. <laughs> Anywho, I'm drinking a lacra. Mm. And actually, I'm gonna you like that sound. Yeah. Mm, it's it's the uh, cantaloupe pink grapefruit kind. I don't know. These look like they come out with a new flavor like every day. So I'm pretty cool with it. So like they didn't seal the top of the can well. So like there's all these little droplets of glue that i have mm. to not put my mouth on sounds good that's yeah that's what people come to the show to listen about me getting glue in my mouth <laughs> no but for real today on the show we are talking about uh the sharing economy and i'm not sure if everyone knows what that term means it's a pretty new term to me but uh we've got our friend glenn carter on the show and he's an expert in the sharing economy and uh yeah we're just gonna kind of grill him about ways to make money by sharing your stuff is that basically the gist of it, Glenn? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys, uh, for having me on the show. Yeah, for sure. So I know a bit about the sharing economy because I read an article by some journalist who like went and tried a bunch of these things. Um, but I think like the extent of my knowledge like in depth on these services, like you can do Uber and use your own car to make money, or you can like do Airbnb, use your own place to make money, that kind of thing. Um, what are some of the other ways people can kind of like share their stuff to make money? Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot out there. I mean, uh, you mentioned the the juggernauts. You got Airbnb and and Uber, um, but uh, you know people don't realize that there's literally hundreds of other platforms out there. You've got uh, you know uh, home sharing, but in the office space realm, uh, you know you can rent out uh, a garage as a boardroom for for some funky startup in San Francisco. There's uh, there's uh, artistic platforms where you can uh, you can share art you know for musicians you can share musical equipment there's stuff for animal lovers where you can uh, you know you can walk dogs you can host dogs you can be a, a dog sitter basically um, tasking services I'm sure you guys have heard of uh, task rabbit 
And uh, Andrew, you're mentioning that uh, you're putting together IKEA furniture. So uh, yeah, you could uh, definitely make a few extra bucks by doing that. I hear your heart up. So uh, that would that would save so many marriages. <laughs> Andrew, I got it. That's our new business idea, and you're going to keep the name, the Foreman. That's right. Yeah, AndrewTheForeman.com. <laughs> Hire me to put together your IKEA furniture as long as you're in Hoboken. You could you could pay me money, and I'll show up to your house, and I will yell at you and tell you you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I'm not putting this together for you. I'm just going to yell at you until you do it. That's right. I yeah. think people would pay for that. Yeah, that's a good gimmick. I like mm. that. There's probably people out there who just need somebody to yell at them to put together their furniture they bought. <laughs> just you're, sitting in the box. You're worthless. That screw goes in the other hole. <laughs> I've had my TV on my ironing board for six months. The TV stands right over there in the box. Help. <laughs> Dude, so um, I, I know there's like a ton of these sharing services, but do people actually make meaningful money on them? I feel like someone's going to go get my laundry. Like, uh, Do they even make minimum wage? Yeah, absolutely. And it depends on which platforms you use. If you're just using one on a part-time basis, then yeah, the income's not going to be overly uh, lucrative. Um, but I mean, I just was talking to one of our users from Tallahassee. He's a college student. Um, he works two hours part-time a day on weekdays using TaskRabbit, Airbnb, and a tutoring service called uh, Wiseant. And he makes about $20,000 a year uh, in supplemental income, um, which covers oh. his, his uh, college uh, costs. Uh, and it's a really flexible option for him. Um, so he, for him, it works because he's using multiple platforms. But you know, more specifically for ride shares, for like the Uber, the Lyft, um, the average income is about uh, $19 an hour. Again, that depends on your city. I was reading an article the other day that in the month in the month of March of 2015 in Toronto, Uber drivers made over six million dollars in Uber fares. Uh, for TaskRabbit, like assembling IKEA furniture or being a handyman or something like that, the average is about forty bucks an hour. Wow! Uh, for car sharing services uh, like uh, Turo, which is formerly Relay Rides, the average is about four hundred bucks a month for for sharing your car, like being a sort of rental agency. Um, but yeah, and the list goes on and on. So it, it just depends on what platform. Some are a lot more lucrative than others. Like the, for instance, the the park uh, parking space sharing, like Just Park. You know, you're not going to make a whole lot of money renting out a spare parking spot. Uh, mm. But if you're renting out a room on Airbnb or a basement apartment on Airbnb, that can get quite uh, quite lucrative. Okay. And it probably all depends on, like, with, with a lot of these things, your location. Because I know, like, in Des Moines, uh, where I live, we have Uber, but it's not huge because our city's not that big. So I've been told by all my Uber drivers in Des Moines are like, yeah, I was at home watching football when I got the thing and I went out. And that's like you know, my second job today versus in New York, they're basically taxi drivers doing a full-time kind of gig thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in New York City, they've uh, they've overtaken the, the yellow cabs, the amount of Uber drivers that are available in that city. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, part of it has to do with the regulatory challenges associated with platforms like Uber mm-hmm. and Airbnb. And, and that's all part of the growing pains. Um, so in like in my municipality in Montreal, um, it's it's completely illegal to drive with Uber. The city uh, confiscated oh, wow. confiscated 400 vehicles uh, last year, uh, impounded them. Really? Yeah, but it just depends on the city. But the the, the good thing about Uber, or the bad thing if you're on uh, if you're a taxi driver, is that Uber, at least in Montreal, pays all the legal fees for uh, people who get their cars uh, impounded. Oh. So I was just chatting okay. with someone who went and picked up their vehicle and Uber paid the lawyer fee, the impounding fee. They rented him a car uh, while his car was impounded so he could continue Ubering with the rental car. 
So Uber's just like <laughs> giant middle finger to the face of these cities. I, I oh, was yeah. listening to some other podcasts, and I think it was like London. They wanted to have like this required five minute wait time for any car calling service, but obviously like, o- only Uber is the one that's going to get there in less than five minutes. And they also wanted to disable the ability to show where the cars are on the map on your app. <laughs> and it's like, they had all these like BS justifications for it. And yeah, everyone why? just like took a crap on them and they, they backed down from that apparently recently. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, um, people who are opposed to the sharing economy are really on the wrong side of history. It's like the, horse and buggy lobby protesting <laughs> Ford's Model T or, you know, the yeah. candlestick makers protesting Edison's light bulb. Like the, the sharing economy is here to say whether we like it or not. It's just how are we going to how are we going to handle it? And and that's the phase we're in now. I mean, it reminds me of like online shopping in 2000 to a little bit. You know, people were very opposed to this. Uh, you know, it was going to be a playground for fraudsters. Um, you know, no one would buy anything virtually. That's that's stupid. Uh, yeah. And now, you know, the majority of people are doing it. So I think we're getting to that stage with the sharing economy. It's just the growing pains uh, that we're we're going through now. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see all these services. When I was in college, I would go to my campus's like wholesale uh, warehouse where they would get rid of crap they didn't want and buy really cheap computers. And then I'd scrounge up monitors from wherever I could find them and like build desktops with Linux on them and sell them. And uh, that was like the, the Craigslist economy. And now you have like so many other things. What I'm wondering is how do you become the person like this college student you're talking about who's making 20 grand? Uh, last year, I think, or when was this? I think it was last year. I read some article on Fast Company. It was like pixel and dimed on uh, not getting by in the gig economy. And this girl, um, she kind of went undercover and tried a bunch of these services and made like $3 an hour, you know, when it all, when it's all said and done. And so I feel like that that piece was kind of like, oh, well, if you don't have certain skills, you're not going to get anywhere in this. But I mean, you got this college student who's making 20 grand, which you said he was doing two hours a week, right? Yeah. So, I mean, again, it depends on what your skills are. Um, there's a lot of tasking services out there that people have tried that really are not lucrative at all. And if okay. you just do and if you just do one, it's, it's not really going to work. But for something like Airbnb, this uh, Jordan's his name from Tallahassee. Who I was talking about. Um, he's got a two-bedroom apartment that's close to campus, and he rents out one of the rooms. Um, okay. And he makes makes seven hundred bucks a month on TaskRabbit. Um, he's really good at online research, and that's not necessarily something you need a specialized degree for. It's just he's good at getting you know questions, and he goes out and writes reports or does research, and he does that on TaskRabbit, and that with that oh. he makes. So is that kind of like uh, an author or you know journalist or something? He's like, I need research on this thing and go do yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Me. You know, do, you know, come up with an outline for this article or something like that. And and once you build up your profile on these uh-huh. sites, like you can't just go out tomorrow and and expect to be making all this money. Now Jordan has an established reputation on all of these different platforms, so mm-hmm. um, people are more likely to come to him because you know he's got a five star rating on TaskRabbit and he's got no negative reviews on Airbnb. Um, okay. So and then the for college students, I mean, he a natural fit for him is the tutoring. So um, he does yeah. uh, tutoring via Skype. Um, so you don't, you know, you're not limited to your geographical location. And uh, I think he was saying he makes about six hundred bucks a month. Uh, he does one hour a day, uh, six hundred bucks a month. So uh, tutoring, I think he's in accounting. Uh, tutoring, I think he's in accounting or something like that. So you know, okay. One thing I thought was really cool. You had this like concept of, I guess it was like, I, I forget what you called it. it. Was like share stacking. Or something like that. Uh, what would you call it? Uh, platform stacking. Platform stacking. Because like, so I'm like a lazy dude. I don't really want to go out and like deliver <laughs> things. I want to like 
teach someone on Skype, but I could also <clears throat> be like, uh, like dog sitting or cat sitting when someone's place and teaching on Skype and kind of like check two boxes and like double earn on that. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we found in our in our community is that our members on average were only working on one sharing economy platform. Um, yet they said one of their major problems with the sharing economy is that they are only on one platform um, mm. and they weren't making much money. Now, if you Uber or Airbnb, it's uh, it's a bit of an exception because you can make a lot of money just on those platforms. So we came up yep. with the term, uh, like you mentioned, platform stacking, which essentially means you've done all this work building up your profile on one platform. Why not move it to another? So you're essentially doubling or tripling your customer base. For instance, if you... Um, if you're an Uber driver, why not drive with Lyft as well, which is popular in certain cities? Yeah, um, and, and I've heard that, that like in San Fran, almost every Uber driver does that, and they have like two phones next to them or something. Yeah, exactly. And like we, you know, for instance, with the delivery platforms, there's dozens out there. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're delivering groceries with Instacart, why not register on Postmates and DoorDash, which are also delivery platforms, so you can essentially. Uh, triple your your customer base, so it's really a simple concept that uh, that we've, we're trying to promote through the website. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got some other questions, but I guess can we give a bunch of options for people right now, just for all these sites? Well, like, so wait, before we jump into that, I think one of the things that uh, we like we really got excited when we found you, Glenn, is on your site you have this thing, and on the top it's just called like the quiz. And I mean, we couldn't like not click on it. Um, but there's like there's like a laundry list of, of these things. And I mean, like Thomas and I kind of created a list from looking at your site and whatever, like dog vacay and like all, ridiculous things I would never think of. But you came with this quiz. And uh, could you like tell us about it? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big challenges people have is that, you know, the sharing economy is so overwhelming. You know, we talk about hundreds of platforms. So where do you get started? Um, so yeah, we, we essentially developed a, a personality quiz, but tailored it to sharing economy platforms. So on the website, um, it's you know it's a twenty minute yes or no or a twenty question yes or no uh, quiz. Takes a couple minutes, and uh, it'll, it'll essentially give you the particular platform category that uh, fits your lifestyle based on your answers. So if you answer a certain way, it'll say to you, hey, you might want to look at Uber, or hey, you may want to look at delivery services, or dog vacay, or or TaskRabbit, um, and that's been hugely popular. We've found that it's, it's, you know, it doesn't give you a whole lot, but it gives you at least a starting point because within those categories of like delivery, there's, like I said, there's about a dozen popular platforms. So then you got to drill down, and and that's really where the where the books come in to really drill down on that. But yeah, the quiz has been uh, super popular. Okay, interesting. So if you want, you can take the quiz to see what options are right for you. Um, what are some of those options, though, just kind of like in general so we can give people some ideas? I mean, I wrote down, like, obviously the big ones, Uber, TaskRabbit. Um, would you consider, like, Fiber to be one? Yeah, like, I mean... stuff for five bucks? Yeah, we do. Um, and then you get well, we can get into the whole debate of what the sharing economy is and what classifies as, you know, the whole premise of the sharing economy is that you're, you're monetizing underutilized assets. And is your time an underutilized asset? You yeah. Know? Um, so anyway, yeah, but we include Fiverr. Um, yeah, like there's so many. We, you know, there's there's platforms for cyclists. There's one called Spinlister that if you have uh, that if you really like cycling, you can rent out uh, your bicycle when you're not uh, not using it. Hmm. There's uh, there's sharing economy platforms cool. 
for storage space. So if you have a big home or have a basement that you don't use, you can treat it as a storage unit. The one in the U.S. is called Roost. That's the platform. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, you can rent out an attic, a, a garage, a basement. Again, not overly profitable on its own, but coupled with other platforms. But I guess uh, if you had, like, a bicycle and a basement and, like, I don't know, a couch that people could stay on, like, one day a month, like, you could actually make some reasonable money just kind of with shit that's yeah. laying around. Yeah, absolutely. And we like we I like to use the term your income buffet, like treat all of these all of these platforms as your income buffet, pick and choose, you know, five or six that may work work for you and and disregard the rest. Um, But getting back to to what Thomas was asking, there's uh, yeah, like there's dog vacay for animal lovers. Uh, One big one now is the meal sharing. Um, There's a bunch of platforms where you can for professional and amateur chefs who want to cook and host people. Um, those platforms are uh, Eat With, Feastly, uh, Bon Appetit. Um, I was just do you have to get like with, a certification for those ones, though. Well, no, um, but you do have to go through a hiring process with that particular platform, and they vary in how stringent their rules are. Okay. Um, I, I was just talking with uh, one of our members in New York City. His name's Sammy, and he was he's he's never taken a cooking class, but he considers himself an amateur chef, and he wants to open up a small uh, a small little fast food restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's competitive and expensive in, in New York City, obviously. So he decided to, to open his own home restaurant with, uh, with meal sharing websites, Feastly and Eat With. And he provides a five-course meal. He charges 55 bucks per person, and he can accommodate up to eight guests. Um, he, Sammy provides the wine and beer uh, with dinner, Andrew, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, 55 bucks for a local meal in New York City uh, that includes alcohol. That's a steal, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so that he gets sounds more- like so much to me. But <laughs> he, so does, he get, are these people get, coming to his house? Yeah, so he essentially hosts them. And uh, so uh, okay. on a good day, he'll have eight people sitting at his dining room table and he'll tell stories and stuff like that. Like it's a very, it's, a, it's, like, it's like a dinner club kind of thing. And, um, you know, you, you talk, everyone talks amongst themselves and most of them are tourists and things like that. And Sammy gets more requests than uh, meals he, he can accommodate. He hosts one meal per week. And this gives him a gross income of just over uh, 400 bucks a week. Um, so after groceries, uh, Sammy was telling me that he clears about 1000 bucks a month um, for four evenings of work uh, a month. And, and the leftovers are always nice, too. So And the social experience. So, yeah the, yeah, the meal sharing is one that's becoming a lot more popular. That is an interesting thing. I I don't like to cook very much, but uh, <laughs> if I did, <laughs> yeah. So maybe we just, just serve Fruit Loops, so that that won't work out. So I'm out. I can't. Uh, the my my best cooking experience is when I'm putting in frozen pizza. I've upgraded from that recently. I went oh, yeah? to Portland a couple of weeks ago and stayed with a friend, and uh, him and his wife made this dinner that was like pretty easy to make, and I thought it was really good. So. They just like schooled me on how to make it. I was like writing it all down. I was like, all right, give me the correct order. Because me and Andrew are the same. We're like bakers. Yeah. Exact instructions. <laughs> Only instructions, like exact specific instructions. I'm yeah. trying to get more into the like, just go with the flow. Like put in as much salt as you think you need, man. Like put in as much cheese as you think you need. I'm like, I'm like, but how do you know what is enough? Yeah. That's and that's like the an thing. Art. Like with this thing, it's like, oh, I really just need to throw the sausage and the peppers in there and just let them simmer for however long. And I think the big thing I learned is like taste your food while it's cooking. Mm. <laughs> that helps a lot because then you're like, okay, it's a little underdone instead of just guessing and then being pissed that you messed up you know, 20 <laughs> bucks worth of food. <laughs> so we have that. Um, what about like like Redbubble, Etsy, DeviantArt for like selling art stuff? That counts. Yeah, yeah. We, we talk about that. There's uh, DeviantArt we talk about. There's another one called uh, Cargo. 
and okay. uh, we have a whole chapter on in the first book on on Etsy. Mm. Um, so those are certainly great ways to to monetize a hobby or something else that uh, you know an art and craft skill that you have. You know, yeah. one thing I thought was really cool uh, digging through your site, you had like a I don't know if it was like a blurb or like an article on wegolook.com where mm-hmm. like we've been talking a lot about like rental properties and I mean I live I live like right across the river from New York City so buying something to rent here is insanely expensive but if I bought something near Thomas I'd have to fly out but appa- yeah. apparently I could hire someone to go and like vet the property for me on WeLook I, I, like do you have any experience with this I haven't uh, I haven't uh, used it myself, but uh, I've I've chatted with the CEO of We Go Look, Robin Smith. She's fantastic, and yeah, the the premise of the business model of the platform is is really excellent. And you know, I'm I my previous backgrounds in in uh, real estate uh, rentals and, and real estate investments. So yeah, for me, this this appeals to me hugely. And it's it's not just uh, property, but you can. You know, if I'm looking to buy a vehicle in a couple, you know, provinces over, I can find someone on WeGoLook who will fill out a custom report, go to that physical location, inspect the car, ask the questions, and uh, yeah, it's a great way. If if you know, yeah, again, it's just one of the many ways that you could uh, make money in the sharing economy. If you want to go inspect stuff, it's essentially just being someone else's eyes. If you wanted to be think- a looker, do you have to be like certified and stuff, or? Um, you have to. Uh, their their requirements are they. You have to pass a background check, check mm. which is obvious. Um, and they they do want you to you know dress professionally. Um, they want you to work with the contacts in a friendly manner. And and other than that, you need a smartphone. Um, but I mean, with a lot of these things, uh, your your reputation is really what's going to weed you out. I mean, if 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 you're if you dress like a slob and you treat people like shit, there you're not mm. going to get anyone else coming back to you. So you know you might get one or two jobs initially, but you know those ratings are really uh, the accountability mechanism on all, across all sharing economy platforms. I think this is really cool. This what, one is really cool to me. I, I did the episode, we go look one. Yeah, so I did an episode of my podcast, uh, you know, a few months ago about buying a car, and there's like this. There are people out there, a lot of them, who are into cars enough where they like they want a very specific model of car mm. you know but it's the, like the one used model that's a good price is in vegas and they're in iowa and they're like well okay that means i gotta fly out to vegas i gotta inspect this car and if it's bad you know it was if I a waste. Buy it, it's a complete waste of a trip you know mm. unless i go to the bellagio or whatever places to waste even more and, money and win yeah <laughs> or win yeah there you go. now it's come on red <laughs> now i'm buying a new car no but yeah this is like that's a great idea. Just hire someone who, because that's the thing. Like with the seller, you even if they're a you never super honest seller, you're just mm-hmm. like they are biased. They're the seller. They're going to overlook stuff. It's like the know. front of the car. They said you pictured it looks great, but the back is like all smashed up or something. Yeah. And I'm not even. I'm not even like assuming it's Vinny, the greasy haired, ponytailed <laughs> used car salesman with the cigar in his mouth, who's like photoshopping the picture in his back, you know, office. Like I'd imagine it's you know it's a good guy who's mm-hmm. the owner, but still it's like. My car, it's roasted in glasses. Yeah, you never there, know, like, that's the backstory. That's a huge... Yeah, having, having an unbiased and, third party to go look at something for you dude, and save and your flight, that's an amazing idea. I think it's amazing that because you have a smartphone and you're not dressed out of, like, a dumpster, you can go and get paid <laughs> to take pictures of things. Like, I take pictures of things anyways, but my wife doesn't pay me, so... <laughs> and then you can that's call yourself can a work photographer. <laughs> <And> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. 
So uh, let's get into some of the questions here. Um, one of the problems here is like time time inefficiency for people who have jobs. You know, a lot of these services you can't predict when the jobs are going to come in. So what are the best ones that let you balance your current job with extra income? Yeah, I mean that's that's a really good question. Um, basically, the ones that have a uh, you know have a platform on the smartphone. So mm-hmm. I mean. Even things like Uber and the delivery services, you know, we know a lot of people who have full-time jobs and then when they get home from work and they have a spare hour, they just flip, flip on their smartphone and, and activate their account and just wait for a fare. So, you know, okay. I, I really think sharing economy, you know, the 99% of the platforms out there are the embodiment of flexibility. Um, there's ones that you do need to be a bit more involved and a bit more available. Airbnb is an, an example of that, uh, but you make a lot more money on, on Airbnb. But yeah. for the majority of these platforms, you can pick and choose what you do, when you do it. Um, and that's really why it's becoming uh, so popular. There was a, um, I was reading a Time Magazine study uh, that was released, I think last month, and um, it said that 45 million American adults um, have worked in the sharing economy, and that's, that's one in five American adults. So this, wow. this, this no, is No, with these apps though, right? Like, where is, what's that estimate taking into account? Well, that's that's one in five American adults, based on the Time Magazine study, who have worked on one of these sharing really? economy platforms. Yeah, and and when you consider um, that Time Magazine went further, and they found that 86 million American adults have used the sharing economy platform. So that's two in five uh, U.S. adults. So I I find that you know to go back to your question about flexibility, I mean it's that's that's really the the staple of the sharing economy, and that's why it's so popular. Okay. Um... So with Airbnb, when I was in Japan last time, I booked an Airbnb somewhere in Tokyo, and we got there, and uh, it wasn't like they were living there and just like renting out their place. It was like uh, they texted me, they gave me instructions. There was a nice map, and then there was like a a, lo- a code lock on the mailbox. I opened that up, and the key and the place was in there. So it was almost like a little hotel. Um, and I've heard like in certain cities, it's like not cool to do that. So I guess the general question is if people are going to get into this, what should they look for in terms of like regulations? Where should they go to look to be like, make sure like, Oh, in my city, this is cool. Or do these companies generally take care of that for you? Um, yeah, it depends. It really depends on the, on the platform, but a lot of these companies will really be on the forefront of knowing what the regulation currently is at. Um, Airbnb is tricky because it depends on your jurisdiction. Every city has different bylaws. Every state has different state laws. Every province has different uh, provincial laws in Canada. Um, so it really depends. Like, for instance, in Montreal, where I live, you have to register with the province as a hotel uh, in order okay. to legally be allowed to use Airbnb. Now, the vast majority of people don't do that. Mm, okay. um, but, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, the the whole regulatory challenges are. That's a very messy, messy situation right now, and you really need to, especially with Uber as well, where they may take your car away. Um, you need to consult um, with with people on the ground. So we always suggest before you become a user or before you become a, a, a renter in the particular platform, become a user. So if you're thinking of becoming an Uber driver in your particular jurisdiction, go for ten rides, talk to drivers, ask them questions. Um, same with Airbnb. You know, stay even if you live in the city. Stay one night in an Airbnb. Talk to the owner. Um, find out exactly uh, what the ins and outs are of of uh, the whole regulatory uh, uh, question. Okay. Yeah, and to add to that, I've heard in 
yeah, not in where I live, but in certain states or certain cities, um, you might need to get like have to get like a business license to do something as simple as selling on Etsy. So that might yeah. also be something to look into. Yeah, come tax time, it's creating headaches for for a lot of people uh, as well. For- now, are most of these people like a ten ninety nine then? In the U.S., yeah, that okay, that would be yeah correct. Which just means consultant. Yeah, like an independent contractor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're jumping into this having done none of it, you have no ratings or anything, what are some reasonable expect- – but, but you're willing to like hustle and like kind of just work to get things going. What's a reasonable expectation for you to earn? And say, say maybe you don't even have a car, right? So, so Uber's off the table. What's like a reasonable expectation in the beginning and then maybe for someone more seasoned who's been doing it for a while? Um. Of, of income, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Again, it, it totally depends on the platforms, but, uh, you know, I've seen people make, uh, you know, uh, 6000 bucks a month working full-time on four different platforms, five different platforms. Um, if, if you're just starting out, you know, don't expect to make income initially for the first couple of weeks at least. You know, really just, you know, price your services low, uh, focus on doing a really good job and uh, get those ratings up because those ratings are really what's going to dictate how much you can charge in the future and how many uh, jobs you're going to get. Like beg for um, reviews from everyone that... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be super nice, you know, bring them cookies, whatever, you know. Can, uh, can you, like, go and be like, Mom, can I do this work for you and I'll just give you the money to pay me so I can get, like, a rating <laughs> and go to your sister and... <laughs> that's, very, that's very clever. I've never thought of that. Maybe, uh, yeah, I like that. That's probably a thing. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure it is. <laughs> I'd go to everyone but, in my building, beg them to rate me. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to your comment about not having a car with Uber, um, actually, uh, you can still Uber if you don't own a car. And uh, we talk about this on the blog. And um, Uber rickshaw. Th- there's, <laughs> there's, uh, <laughs> I won't even go there. Uh, there's, uh, there. If you look at the the accounting, it makes sense to lease or buy a new car and then Uber with it. And there's actually platforms out there um, that will lease you a vehicle solely for the purposes of Ubering or Lyft. And Uber now has uh, an Uber uh, service where they will lease you a Volkswagen uh, solely for the purposes of using it on their platform. So the finances make yeah. sense to even, to even buy new and do Uber and deliveries hmm. just to cover your costs and, and more. When I was in L.A., I Ubered with a guy who... He said he had like a 1965 Chevy that was like <clears throat> it got like uh, like one mile per gallon or something like that. It was <laughs> so bad. So he had this new Prius, and he said Uber had leased it to him. And basically, like after a period of however many years, uh, they would just give it to him. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I haven't looked into whether <clears throat> like the finances work out on that or not. He he seemed to think that they did. So well, the the average um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think according to Edmonds, the average uh, cost of uh, owning a new vehicle, like the average monthly payment, is about four hundred dollars a month. So, yeah. um, if you consider you know making nineteen dollars on average uh, for Uber, um, you can see that yeah, only after a couple of days of driving with Uber, you can cover your costs. Now that's gross, and you got maintenance and gas and all that, but uh, right. certainly. Uh, the the numbers do add up, and I know a lot of people have done uh, what you were talking about, Thomas. And uh, yeah, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, what I, I do want to bring one thing up here, and that is when you're making a comparison like this, you need to compare it against the decision you would have made otherwise, and maybe you wouldn't have bought a new car otherwise. So, 
I mean, we don't have the numbers, but if you're going to run the numbers, run it against uh, a used car if that's what you would have bought otherwise. And I'm sure you could do See just as well up. with a used car. Like when <laughs> yeah. I request from Uber, it doesn't give me the option to like choose a newer car with a driver. <laughs> you know, like it just kind of arrives and just don't. Yeah, no beat up Honda Civics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, I mean, you can know- do the Uber XL or whatever. That's that's yeah, you could buy a luxury there. vehicle, yeah. but you you do need to know the Uber requirements, and they vary by jurisdiction. I think on average you need a car that's 2006 or newer. Um, uh, oh, right really? Now, yeah, you need there are certain requirements. It needs to be a four door okay. uh, vehicle. It needs to pass an inspection. It needs to be insured under your name, obviously. And there are mileage mileage requirements as well. So you can't buy okay. one with 200,000 uh, kilometers. You guys are in miles, so off, you know whatever. 100,000 miles, I don't know what the conversion rate is, but uh, yeah, yeah you check check if you're going to buy used. I, I definitely highly recommend it uh, because it's cheaper. Um, but yeah, check the requirements first because Uber and Lyft both have uh, specific requirements for what type of vehicle can be used. It, that does make sense. I can't ever recall climbing into the back of like a two-door coupe with McDonald's cups on the ground. Like, like, a, <laughs> like a Geo Just, Metro or something. Yeah. <laughs> Some blood stains on the seat. <laughs> was it a horrible Ford Pinto or something? Yeah. But, but at least they offer you a bottle of water in there while you, uh, but, which actually true. makes me think. So some of these guys, they're they're offering you like bottles of water. You know, they have like candies and stuff. I mean, uh, how beholden are That's they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, it's awesome, and you kind of just like the guy or, or girl more because they're like mm-hmm. giving you water. You're like, yeah, I want water. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> or free, a beer. right? Yeah, or a beer. I see. That's what. The, I, that, that has see, to be I, a yeah, I would have a freaking rotisserie chicken back there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but yeah, bib and everything. How beholden are they to these reviews? I mean, like, can someone with Uber like <laughs> actually drive with a two star rating? <laughs> no, I've heard that if you go beneath like four or three point five, like you're in trouble. Yeah, if you go below, I think it's four point something. Uh, Uber will actually kick you off the service. So really? not only I yeah, mean, you if can't you're, be low. If you're low enough, you're not going to get rides to begin with. Uh, but if you're like if you're below a certain threshold, Uber will just uh, just kick you off. But yeah, little little gimmicks like that are always going to help with your ratings. Like you know, having you know some candy there, um, you know, providing bottles of water, all that all that stuff is uh, is helpful. I, I've also, also, I do want to mention, you as a writer have a rating as well. That's what I was just going to say. Is <laughs> yeah. I, I heard this, and I, I suppose there's a way you could see your rating, and you if can't. you know, you can't. No, they were talking about this on Hello Internet because Gray wants people to be able to see their their rating. Because dude, and he thinks it would be a perfect system if, like, after you get ten ratings from different drivers, it just sends you your aggregate, so that way you can't like do revenge. So on you're not like an asshole. Because yeah, dude, Laura and I get into like a, an Uber and we get like a little bit of anxiety. Like we almost talk to him and are nice because we don't want to get kicked off the platform. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Okay, I would. I, this is my assumption. But I would be really surprised if it were not true. My assumption is that Uber specifically tells drivers not to rate passengers badly if they don't talk to them. Mm. I think it would be a pretty like horrible thing to do if like a, a passenger didn't talk to give them a low rating. I always try to talk to my Uber drivers because it does feel weird not talking to them. Mm. And when I get an Uber driver who's like shy and won't talk to me, it feels very weird. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> for whatever reason, in a cab, it, like I don't know, for whatever reason, like, a cab doesn't feel as awkward if I don't talk. But in Uber, I'm like, oh, this is just another person. You know, I should talk to them. 
and I've had great conversations with the drivers. But yeah, when it's quiet, it's like weird. But dude, I, I got into a cab <laughs> with an Uber driver, and so Laura and I always like talk with them. And um, he started like going down like the aliens route, and I love like talking about like aliens. <laughs> I've I've watched like <laughs> five stars conspiracy <laughs> theories are awesome. Did he ask you to join his cult after? Well, so, so I I like humored him. We were just bullshitting, and he just really really went far out there <laughs> to like shit that I couldn't believe anyone believed in and, and then it was awkward I was like oh my god I hope he doesn't kill us before we get there <laughs> okay so that was one thing I wanted to bring up uh, my, I have like this fear that I'm going to get into an Uber that's like it's going to be like a half an hour drive and then they're going to be like you know real hustle minded and they're going to try to pitch me for some MLM thing <laughs> but on the other hand it's like well maybe you could use this to get connections for some other kind of business you're building so like do people do this? Is there a tasteful way to do it? And is there like, I'm sure there are many untasteful ways you could do it, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. That's a really good question. One, one thing I do know is that, uh, I was talking with uh, one Uber driver the other day and his wife actually sells stuff on Etsy and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, like necklaces and jewelry and things like that. And he's actually placed them in different spots in the car and he doesn't mention them at all. And usually the passenger will bring those up. And uh, then he gets to talking about his wife's business and his wife actually sells quite a bit of jewelry in her husband's car because of that. What? Uh, there it is. So he's yeah. funny. You know, that's the hustle. Uh, like, <laughs> that's the tasteful way to do it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And he doesn't, he doesn't bring it up. It's, it's usually the other people who, uh, or the riders who will bring it up. Okay. <clears throat> So. I, w- I wonder if I could pay Uber drivers to just <laughs> like as someone gets in, they just happen to be playing a Listen Money Matters episode <laughs> in the car. They're like, "Oh, what's this? Learning about personal finance." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your luck—it'll be like the sweat into the oldies episode or whatever. That's true. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Oh God, I hate these guys. They're so annoying." <laughs> or the episode where Matt talked to his brother for like eight minutes and it was just silence. <laughs> <laughs> But no, yeah, that's. I think it's a great example. Just like having something there that can catch someone's interest. Like, I don't know if you could do it as like a painter, just have a giant painting in your. Put <laughs> 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 some of this giant painting in your front seat. But yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Or maybe you could be playing your podcast, and they're like, "Is is this you?" Because that's weird. <laughs> well, even now there have uh, like uh, there's separate startup companies that are selling like tablets that uber and lyft drivers can mount in the front that just flash ads and uh, they'll pay the uber driver you know however much time a passenger on average is in their car on a monthly basis and you can make it do you have to pay for this tablet uh i don't think so i think uh maybe maybe there's an an initial fee but uh basically it's the company that runs all the ads you just put in the tablet and it connects to the cell phone, uh, to the cell phone service, and they just run their own ads through it. And uh, they know when you have a passenger, so they can calculate on average how many times or how often a body's actually in your car. And then based on that algorithm, they'll pay you uh, a certain amount. Wow. I mean, that must add a few additional dollars to your per hour. Just like, why would you not do that? Yeah, absolutely. But the Uber doesn't like that. They're trying to trying to stop that. But uh, Uber. They're in a tricky situation because, on the one hand, they're saying in 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 court that, that you're a consultant. That that you're, you're yeah, not, you're not yeah. an employee. You're just uh, you're a consultant or whatever term they use. Uh, but on the other hand, they're trying to dictate exactly what you do uh, in your vehicle. So they're stuck in a bit of a tricky uh, tricky position. Mm. Uber's like the Fine Brothers. 
Don't steal from us. <laughs> oh, we steal from everyone. Dude, <laughs> so Thomas came up with this really good question uh, that I, I, I like. Uh, I mean, how competitive are these sites? Um, like, yeah. If, if I get a, a car, am I just going to, like, start making money? <laughs> like, am, is it going to take me forever to get started? Uh, do people still make $40 an hour on TaskRabbit? Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, and it is, uh, there are a lot of people making money on these sharing economy platforms. I'm speaking generally here. There might be differences between platforms, but generally speaking, you know, you have uh, one in five American adults selling a service on these platforms, but you also have two in five who are using it. So um, there are a lot, like, there, there are a lot of people on these platforms, but uh, every Uber driver I've talked to, every Airbnb host, uh, even myself uh, on Airbnb, um, it was even with no ratings. Um, I was getting requests for services. Uh, Uber drivers, you know, on their first day, uh, they turn on their Uber app. Within 15 minutes, they've got their first Uber ride. So there's just so much volume there that even if you're new, uh, there's going to be a way to get started. And uh, you'll be anyone who hasn't worked in the sharing economy and starts working in the sharing economy. Um, you know, after you get your first couple of jobs, you'll you'll say to yourself, "Wow, that was that was super easy." For for Uber drivers in big cities. Do they like strategically park themselves in certain areas so they get better rides or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, you get into uh, you know positioning yourself uh, uh, as an Uber driver, or Lyft driver, depending on the time of day. And mm -hmm. there's you know there's such things as peak hours and non-peak hours. So yeah, people have all these strategies about where they are in their city during what hours. You know whether it's yeah. a Friday night or a Sunday afternoon. Uh, so yeah, it just depends on your on your city, but yeah, there's there's certainly strategies to uh, to help out with that. As the driver, do you make more during surge pricing, or does Uber just pocket all that extra money? No, you make more. Do you? Okay. Yeah. So like New Year's Eve by the bars, I'm parking myself out there like seven hours early. Hell yeah! Make a killing. Okay. Yeah, make it rain. Awesome. Uh, so I mean, with Uber, it's all about kind of location. There's no way to really promote yourself as an Uber driver because it's just algorithmically assigned um, yeah and, from other and like sites I, like oh, go ahead. DeviantArt, etsy i used to do fiverr i did fiverr like once in college I, I was like i'll do a review of your blog for five dollars you know and that was a service that i think wasn't super saturated but like if you're doing logo design or you know proofreading there's already a zillion gigs and every one of them has like 705 star reviews what do you do to get yours in front of some eyeballs yeah, the, the Fiverr one's really hard. Um, talking with people, that's that's been like the hardest one to get on because there's just it's so cheap and the the barrier to entry is so minimal that there's so many people on there mm -hmm. uh, providing cheap services. Um, but on all the other ones, all the other tasking services like TaskRabbit, Ask for Task, uh, there's you know I haven't found that there's there's much difficulty getting getting uh, getting jobs. And it's just about uh, you know it's about writing a good profile. It's about uh, um, uh, managing your reputation by uploading a picture of yourself or having you know uh, you know something personal about you. A lot of these platforms require that you upload. Uh, actually, not require. They suggest you upload you know government ID or link your Facebook accounts mm. to sort of provide that uh, social proof, if you will. So yeah, it's doing as much as you can if you're just starting out um, um, to to get your profile moving and get those ratings and jobs flowing. Cool. So I just found this Business Insider article, and it says for drivers 
who do UberX and drive at least 40 hours a week in New York City, they averaged $43 an hour. That comes out to $89,440 a year. That's insane. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, granted, they have to like deduct gas and whatever from that. But oh, still, yeah, it's true. I mean, dude, still, huh. that's like really like good for just like, yeah. More than the taxi drivers making, that's for sure. Yeah, just for something on the side that's, uh, yeah. Dude, so, uh, Glenn, we obviously can't cover like every platform, but um, you told us that you just wrote uh, your second book and that you're going to give it away to our listeners for free. But it's like, I guess, for sale on Amazon? Yeah, so we released, uh, so our first book, uh, Secrets of the Sharing Economy, released in August. And so I started writing this book. I wanted to bring all these, you know, platforms into one place and talk about them. Like I mentioned, you know, the income buffet. I started writing the first book and I thought, you know, holy shit, there's so much here. This is going to be a thousand pages. So I broke it down into three books. First one was released uh, in August. The second one just released uh, a couple days ago. I'm not sure when we're going to air, but it was just uh, released on Amazon a couple days ago for for eight bucks or something like that. But um, yeah, because I'm a huge fan of the show, um, I've provided a link. It's uh, thecasualcapitalist.com slash listen. If your users go to that, uh, or your listeners go to that, um, they put in their email and then they'll get an email with both the first and second book in PDF uh, for for free. Awesome. Thanks, dude. All right. Yeah. So Thank you guys. I wanted to cover one little thing before we, co- before we uh, quit here. Yeah. And that is opportunity cost. Mm. Because, like, say I'm, I'm writing, you know, blog critiques for $5. It takes me, like, two hours. Or, oh, the one, the big one. And this, uh, this happened when I was a freshman in college, actually. I worked at the Solution Center on campus where we did tech support phone calls, basically. And there was enough, there was like a good amount of downtime there. So it wasn't like you're getting calls literally all the time, like some call centers, you, you know, you'd have like some downtime to do homework or whatever. Some people played games. And then uh, this one guy found this thing called Amazon Mechanical Turk, where you ah. get like a quarter to like do <laughs> yeah. some little data task or something. It takes like two seconds or something like that. And they were like, yeah, I made four extra dollars while I was here. And my immediate thought was, I spent all my downtime during this shift reading this uh, tech certification book that's <clears throat> going to help me pass the certification test and, and make like 10000 more a year when I graduate. And you spent it making $4 by proofreading some sentence that's going to go into like a vacuum cleaner instruction manual. Um, obviously, the opportunity cost is huge on that kind of thing. So I could see that. A lot of these things, for a lot of different situations, maybe you've got some time you and you need to make some more money. That works out well. But how do you know, like, how do you know when you're using your time in its best possible manner? Yeah, and I, uh, that's a really great question, and uh, I get it a lot um, for something like Fiverr um, <clears throat> and Mechanical Turk. I would never even touch Mechanical Turk, uh, but for Fiverr, um, I wouldn't suggest work. Like, if you're a writer, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, or graphic designer. If you're, all of your business comes from Fiverr, you're doing something wrong. You should be going to uh, you know, Upwork or like a legitimate freelance site and, and really making what you deserve if, if, you're, if you're good at what you do. Yeah. Um, if you're looking to do something on the side and you sort of dabble in graphic design or whatever, um, then Fiverr is a good supplementary platform. But yeah, absolutely. If you're spending your entire time on Mechanical Turk filling out uh, a makeup survey, uh, for for twenty five cents, you're you're wasting your time, um, and 
any smart person who begins doing that will quickly realize that that's not really a tenable strategy for for income generation. But if you're good at tasks and you're starting on Mechanical Turk, maybe switch over to TaskRabbit to do online uh, tasks. Uh, or if you're a writer, then maybe switch over, start at Fiverr, and then when, once you get some uh, some work samples on Fiverr, switch over to Upwork or something like that. Okay. Um, so that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the general thing here is like you know Uber or Airbnb. Obviously, you can't leverage your car or leverage your your house all that much. You know, there's a certain limit. But if you're using a sharing economy site that takes advantage of skills that could pay more if you were able to market them better or had you know higher skills, then you know try them out. But also consider at what point do I need to be thinking about my progression, both of my skills and my platform and my connections, and is this the best use of my time for that? Uh, yeah, there has to be balance there. Great question. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you got to ask those. Well, Glenn, thanks so much for coming to the show. And once again, at casualcapitalist.com/listen, right? Yes, absolutely. And actually, uh, before you guys go, I want to thank you guys. Uh, I've been a longtime listener of uh, Listen Money Matters. Uh, before that, before I found you guys, I listened to other financial podcasts, uh, which made me feel like I needed a, a trust fund and MBA just to listen to. So um, <laughs> when I found you guys, it really was a game, sh- game changer for me. You guys speak my language, which I don't know is a compliment, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, so, so thank you guys very much for what you do. Yeah, thank you, man. absolutely, man. Thanks for the, thanks like for the kind words. Cool. Well, guys, thanks for listening. If you have questions for us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com is our email address, or you can join our community of money nerds over at listenmoneymatters.com slash join. We'd love to have you there. And other than that, you can find all of our favorite books, resources, apps, all that kind of stuff over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox, which Andrew, I didn't, you showed me the updates to the resource links. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that you had updated the library. That thing is cool. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's actually going to get refreshed cool. again. So, like, because everyone talks about all these awesome books. Like, we just talked about some books here, and um, I, we wanted, like, one place to kind of just put all the books. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, like, super version one. You could filter on, like, a few topics, but... Uh, yeah, but it's, it's like an MVP, right? Yeah, yeah. I, eventually, cool. like, maybe in a few months, we'll be competing directly with Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, I looked at this and I was like, oh man, I really need to revamp my book page because mine is literally just a scroll down and it's just like a list of books and this is cool. And it's kind of hidden, but it does really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, we should definitely, I'll yell at you when we hang up about it. Cool. All right, guys. <laughs> that's all we got for this episode. So thanks for listening once again and we will see you in the next one. Later, guys. Later, man. Tell your friends.